Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right, how are we? We're well. Yeah, very well, Not thank you. Bad, thank you. A bit of giggles just before we've gone on air, which is always I fun. I know, that's up to the mood, hasn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, any news? Any news? One of <laughs> us three uh, may have resigned today. Oh, not from the podcast. Not from the podcast. No, no, no. No, it's, from their My family are very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but you couldn't stand them any longer. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's obviously not me, which leaves yes. the other two. It's not me. So it's it me. It's me. Yes, Congratulations! So yes, Thanks. that's good. That's yes, you said earlier. Been in the in the makings for a while, so good mm. on you. And that will make your long holiday fabulous. But it also means you'll have a little bit more time to make sure that we've got plenty of shows Content. for when you're away. Yeah, that's true. I can just pump them out. <laughs> oh so God, that just take. takes me back to it what we were back. talking about pre-show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Anyway, just, <laughs> we're, just, we're not covering that now. <laughs> Swanee, any news from you? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. No, I just feel like I'm... That's all right. I don't really have much news either. We recorded last, I think, on Sunday. So yep. apart from working, haven't got anything to say. So I'll just move straight on to... I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together we are... Trial, Trial by... Why? Resign. I mean, wine. <laughs> yes. You can tell someone's very happy about that decision. And what are we drinking today? Swanee, you know you want to. I'm not on my rosé gift yet. Okay. Oh, Shmini, don't. I got it. I still want to do <sighs> stuff tonight. That's all right. That's but no, if we no. uh, record judge, on the judge, weekend, judge. I'll do it. I was thinking. Okay, I, I won't judge. Gonna, I won't yeah. judge. So I'm just uh, on my first. Uh, well, that means, as far as I'm concerned, we need to record on Sunday. That's that. Fair enough. If it, she just promised that she would drink. Oh, okay. she, said, she said on the weekend. Do it before I go and do my um. All oh, right, Saturday things. then. Yeah, no, that's fine, Swanee. I understand entirely. And you boys, what are you drinking? Well, well, we're a having bit a bit of a celebratory number. So this, oh, this, lovely. this is a Feathertop 2015 Sparkling Shiraz. So Feathertop oh, are down in Port Punka, which is towards Bright, and they do lots of good wines, but this one is particularly lovely. It's very smooth, mm. nice and bubbly. Oh, I do like a smart spice. Just shrews. what you want. Yeah, yeah. So um, cheers to that, everyone. And Schmidty. Cheers. Well, I'm uh, continuing the wintry drink theme. I went out and got myself a litre bottle of Baileys. So I'm having and you're a cheeky it? Baileys. No, I'm not necking it. I'm sipping oh. it delicately and it's over ice and it's just right for today's weather and the mood I'm in. I just Perfect. feel like when our listeners hear that you've just gone and bought a litre bottle of Baileys, they will all <laughs> picture you necking it. No, Is no, a litre no. bottle of Baileys pre-mixed? No. no, no, it's just, it's just Baileys. Enough to make yes. sick. Have you got that with milk in it? No, no, no. That's, that's just, just Baileys and ice, the, is it? The colour is because of the ice. Oh, yeah. okay, right. I, no I put quite a lot of ice in, so there's a little quite bit a, of dilution. Quite a lot of Baileys happening. is what you've got. Not that we're judging. I thought I, it was a milkshake for God's sake. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. They're like, it's better than yours. Damn right. 
Good right. chat. Let's move on. <laughs> Shall I tell you a story? Oh, sorry. Go on, man. Yes. Okay. Well, we've had a few weeks off murder. It's almost like we all had a little unwritten thing that we had to have a little bit of a break. Are you going to bring it back? Shake it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We've, oh, had, yeah. <laughs> we've had some scammers, some hoarders, and a wire-walking wanker. <gasps> which is just my opinion, yeah. of course. Oh, uh, little Phil, give him a break. No, yeah, still not the, okay with little with the Phil. the smiling no. buildings. Goodness. No, no, still not okay. I was surprised I remembered it. What was it three days ago? I've yeah. it. <laughs> you are in the zone. There's nothing getting I'm firing today. Oh, my goodness. I've come back. Yeah, no, still not loving him. Anyway, so I thought I might ease us back into the darker side of crime with this historic case which is super, super famous. But I do wonder whether the super, story... Super, super famous. It's super, super... Well, it's really interesting because I thought it was super, super famous and then a couple of people have crossed my path in the last couple of days while I've been working on it and they've said, what are you doing? And I've told them the case and they go, what's that? And I think... They don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of <laughs> <Yeah>. all <laughs> things murder like mm. you do, darling. Also, it happened in, <laughs> in your bathroom. No, I know. And you therefore know it well. It doesn't mean that everyone else knows it well. No, I, look, it might be that it's super, super famous in America. The thing the thing that caught my attention or the bit that made me think it was worth telling it was whether or not the story became bigger than the actual reality. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what you guys think. Of course, my sources are crimemuseum.com, Wikipedia, Britannica for you, Swanee. Thank you. Old school. Thesmithsonian.com. Thank you again. You're welcome. Is Britannica new? Because I googled something today in Britannica. Britannica. Came up as well, and I've not had it before. It doesn't. It doesn't always have enough in it for me to use it as a source. And why is it Britannica dot com and not Britannica uk? Feels like Britannica is decidedly American, not the Encyclopedia UK. Britannica. Yeah, but it's dot com. It? It's American. Is it? Isn't is it? I always thought it was. Well, it's got Britannica in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gosh, they're tricksy, those people. <laughs> tricksy, yeah. Famous trials and the Centre for ruleoflaw.org. So. Ruleoflaw.org. We're a bit mm. like that, aren't we? <laughs> Not really. We're the unrule of law. <laughs> the year is 1892. It's a hot August in Riverfall, Massachusetts. And what started like most other days certainly took a turn for the gruesome when at 11.15am, on the 4th of August, Lizzie Andrew Borden discovered her father dead on a couch in the living room. Dun, dun, dun. And it's not Jizzy Lizzie either. <gasps> Why would you say <laughs> that? Oh, you're, so, you're so base, Caroline, honestly. Oh, so where do you get this? Oh, where you, does this come from? You tricksters, just because this all came up before I press, press record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hook, line, and, and sinker, said, hey, Swanee. Isn't it a shame we're not talking about a Lizzie because it could have been Jizzy Lizzie? And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe that they've psychically guessed I'm about to talk about a case with a woman called Lizzie. Is it a whodunit? Sounds like a whodunit so far. Mm, no, I think we know so who done it. Yeah, I think yeah. we know who done it. But it is okay. questionable. But Lizzie's stepmother, oh, sorry, shortly after this, the Bordens made Bridget. Did Lizzie's also- stepmother do it and you just gave it away? No. <laughs> oh, my God, do you not know... Th- Lizzie Borden. I don't, but I know I know the name. I know name. Lizzie Birdsworth. I know the name. It's going to come to you, but when you say okay. Lizzie Borden. I know Sally Boyden. I'm going to, not Boyden, Borden. Borden, sorry. Did you never hear the rhyme? Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When yeah. she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. 
No, but we never You've did. Never occupa- heard we that? never did that never. occupational violence course that you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, three, okay. isn't it? I just I can't get over how no one's heard of Lizzie Borden. I know that when you said Lizzie Borden, I thought, oh gosh, I'm supposed to know who this is because I'm pretty sure I recognise the name, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know she, it. She gave her mother her forty name. wax with an axe. Shortly after this, the Bordens made Bridget, who they also called Maggie found Lizzie's stepmother dead in the guest room upstairs. Both had been killed by blood. When you say shortly, same day, not like three days later. Okay, so at about quarter past 11, Lizzie shouts out and says, Maggie, or Bridget, whatever her name is, Dad's been killed, come and help. Yeah, right. And then not long after that, they discover her stepmother. Yeah, sorry, I was thinking shortly as in a couple of days later, not No, 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 very, very shortly after. Yeah, gotcha. Both had been killed by blunt force trauma to the head, later believed to have been caused by a hatchet. That's a coincidence. Isn't it, though? I'll tell you what, anyone giving blunt force trauma to the head using a hatchet isn't using it properly. They actually use the back of it, yeah. not the blade. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It works. Well, they did. It works better if you use the hard bit. The, the back the bit. bit. Yeah, they did. No, I mean, not the knife bit. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. If they used the knife bit, it'd just go funk. No, they didn't. They smacked him over the head with the blunt end of it. Maybe it was. So they used the correct bit. So maybe you know a bit more about you know, I'm wondering if, no, picture. I'm saying I think they used the wrong bit. But maybe they were going to chop wooden piece of furniture and as they lifted it over their head, they accidentally cracked people on the head. That would make perfect sense. <laughs> no, not 19 times. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh. that escalated. Yes, yeah. I agree. Not nineteen times. That blows my theory out of the water. So Andrew Borden, Lizzie's father, was described as a doer, penny pinching man, which allegedly <laughs> caused his daughters Emma and Lizzie to argue with him a bit, usually about money. He was very wealthy, but that didn't stop him from being so tight with household expenditure that the family actually all became ill not long before the murder as he insisted on them eating mutton soup, which was made from the leftover Sunday roast. He was killed, I think, on a Thursday, right? So they were eating soup that was on the stove for four days made of mutton, and they pretty much all just had salmonella or botulism, whatever you get from that. Is that true, that they would have that after four days? Yeah, if it's not kept hot all the time to kill the germs or if it's not heated to an adequate yeah, I would just say just temperature boil to kill them. Fine. But remember it was August, it was really, really hot, so they probably didn't want to have their oven on it was probably a 1,000 degrees to during the boil. day, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, got yeah. that foamy yeah. stuff going on. Just disgusting. And they only had an ice chest, that you know, like it was 1892, yeah. and the ice had already melted due to the extreme oh. heat. So they, they had no means to really keep this soup from making them sick. So they were eating off lamb soup for several days. Or I say lamb, but tutus. Mutton. It was probably due to his childhood, which had been much the same. Whilst his parents had been quite wealthy, they had lived very modestly. And whilst his success had been through manufacturing, turns out he actually manufactured furniture and caskets. He was a funeral director. And later he went into property development and I think he was on the board of a bank or something. He became like a big mover and shaker in town. He was very wealthy, very well respected. At the time of his death, his estate was worth nearly $10 million in today's money. Oh, oh wow. I was going to say, in 1892, $10 million. Oh. No, 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 no. Yeah. But the house had no internal plumbing, which he could have had. He just didn't see the point of spending any money on that sort of stuff. So Abby, his wife, second wife, 
who was stepmother to Lizzie and Emma. Whilst Lizzie and Emma said they had no issues with Abby, who they called Mrs Borden, the maid Bridget said they rarely ate together and others close to them didn't think they got on that well. They thought that she'd married Andrew for his money and I hope that wasn't why she married him because frankly he was tighter than a girdle on a Baptist minister's wife at an all-you-can-eat pancake breakfast. <laughs> that's a mouthful. Thank, thank you, Blanche Devereaux. <laughs> no, that's from the Golden Girls. I love the Golden Girls and I love Blanche. Yeah. He was tighter than a girdle on a Baptist minister's wife at an all-you-can-eat pancake breakfast. Oh, it's hard to say. That is a anyway. mouthful. Both Lizzie and Emma had religious upbringings. They were Protestants and attended the Central Congregational Church. Lizzie was particularly into the God stuff and was a Sunday school the teacher. The God stuff. <laughs> That's what they call it. That's You're speaking name. my language. She also occupied herself being the secretary and treasurer for the Christian Endeavour Society and was part of the Women's Christian Temperance Union and the Ladies' Fruit and Flower Mission. She was a very well brought up. She was a lady. She She was also pretty good with her hands as she built a roost for pigeons in their barn and apparently she quite liked fishing. But in the May of 1892, her father decided to kill the pigeons either by wringing them by the neck or with a hatchet because he thought they were a magnet for local children who were hunting them, which is funny because I read that in one place and then somewhere else he thought they were attracting pests. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, local children, pests, vermin. same, same. I'll probably have the yeah, same vermin. response. Yeah, vermin. Thanks, Yeah, vermin. A lot of them. Lizzie oh, the the was... local children come Oh, hang on, they're mine. That'd be Swanee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't lock them um, out. Damn it. Can't wring their necks either or hit them with a hatchet. Um, oh. Lizzie suppose... <laughs> well, that's what he did with the pigeons oh. was the point. One of my children at camp and I'm missing him. I don't know. Oh. going I've come, I've come over all care and separation yeah, anxiety. Oh, my God. It changed. I know. I know. Mm. Crazy. <laughs> so Lizzie's supposed to have been pretty upset uh, about her father allegedly killing these pigeons that she'd built a roost for, but there wasn't really any you evidence about having happened. You wouldn't bludgeon 19 times over pigeons, would she? I think he was 11 times. The oh, mother, the all? stepmother was 19, 17 or 19. I keep reading different accounts. They did have a falling out in 1892. And Lizzie and Emma took off to New Bedford for a holiday, in inverted commas. A week before the murders, they came back to Fall River and Lizzie um, decided to stay away for a few days at a local rooming house, so she wasn't quite ready to go home. Why? Um, because is this, does it, was that directly after they had the falling out? Uh, was yeah, there was, to go home? there was tension building in the house and it had been building for a while. Okay. And one of the reasons for the tension was old mate Andrew was gifting real estate to members of Abby's family, so his new wife's family, right, which really annoyed his two spinster daughters. Mm. After Abby's sister was gifted a house, they demanded that they get the house that they'd lived in until their mother had passed away as a rental property. Andrew, this this bit, I don't understand any of this, right, but Andrew apparently sold the house to them for a dollar, which was around $37 in today's money, and then they then he bought it back off them for $5,000, which is more like, I've written 165000 Is that a tax anyway, avoidance scheme? 5000 times 37 Well, maybe it could be a tax That's issue. It, it, it might have been. It wasn't referenced anywhere to say, you know, this was this made sense or because it, maybe it was a benefit that he couldn't 
gifted us an inheritance yeah, or something because yeah, there would have been a tax sale. So he sold it for nothing and then bought it back off them. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Thank you for that. That was a very sensible response. That's weird. Anyway, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't understand it. I couldn't. I was like, why would they do that? I think that's yeah. the first time you've thanked me for a sensible response in 80 episodes. <laughs> 87, to be precise. <laughs> Case in point. Uncle John Morse, who was their mum's brother, so think the mother's name was Sarah, their mother's name was Sarah, mm-hmm. the first wife. He visited the house on August the 3rd to chat business with Andrew. Now, he goes around talking about how he's really close with his nieces and he went out of his way to have this relationship with them. But in reality, he only... I think he only started to visit them a couple of years prior. Abby married Andrew when Lizzie was 11 and I think Emma was 17. At this point, Lizzie's 29. So he's only shown up, this uncle's only shown up in the last few years. There's been this huge gap in between that where he's shown no interest in them. But he goes around talking about how he's, you know, really, really close with his nieces. So he shows up with this idea of I'm going to go see my nieces, but really he's there to talk to Andrew because Andrew's a businessman, he's successful and he's wealthy. John was a farmer, by the way, and from everything I've read about him, he wasn't badly off himself, he was okay. So it's suggested that these discussions included Andrew's plan for his will and or property transfers, which could have annoyed the ladies even more. So if he's talking about transferring money out further to other people, because this is their inheritance. I think that's the way they're seeing it. This is our money. Also, everyone had the literal and figurative shits thanks to that mutton soup. So it wasn't the greatest mood in the house. Oh, nice. <laughs> well played, well played. The next morning, John had breakfast with Andrew. So this is on the 4th of August. He had breakfast with Andrew, Abby, Lizzie and Bridget. And then he chatted with Aunt. He went off and had a chat with Andrew in the sitting room for about an hour. Now, Emma wasn't there because Emma had gone to, I think it's called Fairhaven, a place about 25 k's away. And I think she'd gone the day before, I'm not really sure. So, But she wasn't there anyway. Then John went off, so Uncle John went off to buy some oxen and to see another niece of his in Fall River planning to get back to the Borden house around lunchtime. So he's just out for a few hours to catch up with other family members, and buy et cetera. Oxen. And buy some oxen, as you do. Hopefully not in that order. If you go and get the oxen and then take them to visit family yeah, to members. someone else's garden, you yeah. know. Could I, could, would you mind if I just pop my oxen in your front yard exactly. for a little that while? That would be fine. They don't eat much. I have a feeling that when you buy the oxen, and you would know better than I because you guys have got a little farm, but I'm pretty sure when you buy them you don't, you're not expected to just take them Walk them down the street the minute you get them. Let's hope so. So Andrew, Dad, took off for his morning walk, and which was pretty normal, so apparently he did that quite regularly. Abby went upstairs to tidy the guest bedroom, which is where John had been sleeping, and to make his bed. While she was making the bed, someone entered the room and struck her on the side of the head, which caused her to turn and fall face down on the floor. Her attacker then hit her 17 times on the back of the head, killing her. Ouch. That'll do it. Mm. Do you need to do when it that many times? Well, it does make it sound personal and quite horrific, doesn't and it? And squashed <laughs> and messy. It wasn't that bad. Like I'm sure part of her ca- uh, her skull was caved in, but it wasn't like there's a photo of the back of her head and you can see indentations from where it's hit her, but it's not 
Yeah, no, but it's not Swanee. It's not like because because was it a small person who did it, or was it a small hatchet? It's 1852, right? So, sorry, 1892. So they have no real forensics. So there's no no one talks about blood spatter. No one talks about the stuff that we look at now. The stuff we think that you about talk now. about with Toby yeah, and I, yeah. blood spatter. Yeah, Spatter. Um, I God, God Swanee. <laughs> I was actually, I was actually looking up what an axe wound would look like, and if you Google that, that's stuff you can't unsee. But I was looking at that because I was trying to understand what the blood spatter of an axe wound would be. Because interestingly, and I'll probably talk about it later, there's very little blood around these. They're like lo- they're like little taps, aren't they? Not blows there's with a- the hatchet. Mm. So this, because mm. it was with the blunt end of it, and it wasn't with the the knifey end or the cutting end. I think knifey is called. I think that's the correct terminology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly the knifey, the knifey end. end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the I've, blade. I've definitely seen that before. Particularly for Abby, I think that might be why the uh, predominant blood is pulled around her. Uh, so you know, she's had a major. She has a gash, I think, on the side of the head, but I think most of it's just sort of. I think bleeds. you need to go retrain. You've definitely so got, I think you've got to I do this. I, I think you should be yeah. friends. Honest. You should do it. So when Andrew got back from his walk at about 10.30 a.m., he couldn't get in the front door, so he had to knock, and I assume it's because they were locked. Bridget tried to open the door, but it was jammed. While she didn't see Lizzie, she said she had heard her laugh from the top of the stairs. So that's important, right? So Lizzie's with him. Is that what you mean? Or Lizzie's inside? No, so is he? Is he? Lizzie is. Jizzy. Lizzie is inside the house and if you imagine like most properties, the stairs lead down to the front door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where Bridget is at the uh, where the front door is and she's trying to open the door, yeah. behind her and up, right. she uh, believes that she hears Lizzie laughing. I think Lizzie's laughing because she's like, oh, I can't get the door open or something. Right. Like, you know, so she hears Lizzie at, at the top of the stairs laughing, not she's at the top of the stairs and hears Lizzie laughing. She, she thinks she hears Lizzie. Andrew, as, when he gets in the house, asks Lizzie where Abby is, right, the stepmom, and she said, oh, we had a message from a sick friend who asked her to visit, so that's where she was. Uh, you know, it just has that a little messenger come. Yeah, they sent says, a pigeon. You know, Mrs. Blah Blah's not well, can you come and see her? And then you get a little basket and off you go. It's yeah. all very Jane Austen in my mind, <laughs> yeah. although it's Victorian this, but, yeah. Apparently that's where Abby had gone. Hmm. Mm. So Bridget then says she removed Andrew's boots because he's gone in to sit down in the sitting room and slip, help him into his slippers before he lay, lay down on the couch for a nap at 10.30. I mean, lazy, he's, all he's done is he's got up, he's had breakfast, he's gone for a walk and now he's having a nap. Mind you, he was, I think, 73. Could so also be hungover. Yeah, uh, maybe. That'll be it. That'll be it. Well, it had a, and he'd had a hard morning of walking. Although in the crime scene photos... Andrew is wearing his boots. Ooh. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, pants on fire. Mm. That's her recollection. Those boots were made for walking. Yeah. Now, Bridget wasn't feeling very well, I'm pretty sure, partly because she had the shits from the mutton soup. <laughs> but also it was <laughs> very hot and she'd been made to go and clean all the windows uh, downstairs that morning. Really? So I think she had a, yeah, she had a bit of a headache. Who made her? Well, she was told to do it by either Abby or Lizzie, uh-huh. right? She goes up to her room on the third floor for a lie down because she's not feeling great. Yeah. And at 11.10, she heard, hears Lizzie call out, Maggie, come quick, father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah, not. I'll be right. I'll be yeah. right down. Hang on, not again. Yeah. Not that again. I only just got off to sleep. Yeah. yeah, but no. So Andrew was slumped on the couch in the downstairs sitting room, struck ten or eleven times with a hatchet-like weapon in the face. Oh, ouch! Yeah, and I don't think I. I don't know if I go into detail anywhere oh, else in this, but it was bad. I think he might have been hit with the blade of the hatchet because. I believe face. one of his eyes was cut in the half knife or he out did. or something. Oh, no. The knife no. he did. Like it was, it was real messy. It was nasty, right? And he was unrecognisable pretty much face-wise. Lizzie sent Bridget for the doctor. Not quite sure why she would bother apart from to, I suppose, say that he was dead. And the doctor said no more monkeys jumping on the bed. The doctor was just across the road, I think, or very close. Oh. And so Dr Bowen arrives and at that point, Andrew's wounds were still bleeding. That's how fresh the attack was. And he pronounced Andrew dead. So the police were called and they went looking for But at this point in time, remember, no one's found Abby. Abby's still upstairs, just FYI. So all we've seen now is Andrew's dead and we've called the doctor. Police were called looking for a sign of an intruder, but as the doors and windows were locked, because Andrew couldn't get in and, you know, whatever, so they didn't find any. They looked for the murder weapon and found two hatchets, an axe and the head of a hatchet, so three hatchets really, and a broken handle. And, look, all the hatchets aren't that weird. At that period of time they were cutting wood, they were using them to, you know, they were using the wood for the stoves. Your own personal hatchet. It wasn't weird to have your own personal hatchet. It might be considered a bit odder now but it wasn't at the time. The way they used it might be considered less common and there was no blood on any of these there was very little blood anywhere other than on the victims as i said and i just think given the ferocity of the attacks you'd expect to see a lot more blood spatter but that's just me um the abby attack doesn't sound ferocious it certainly killed her but you could be right could be like one blow killed her the first like smacking around the side of the head killed her and the rest were just uh, less deep or something yeah drumming it was never suggested uh, but uh, but honestly, I, I wonder even if they were killed where they were found. Yeah, right. The, there was so little blood that, around yeah, them. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yep. But no one's ever suggested that. That's just my uh, complete making shit upness. And there wasn't really much in the way of forensics. It was all very rudimentary. Swanee, so, thank you for letting that go. Making shit upness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like Sorry. that. <laughs> Knifey end and making shit upness. Mm-hmm. Is that the bit you got from Britannica.com? <laughs> You love the way I turn the king's English, don't you? Yeah. Oh, I like what you did there. I do. Wow, modern. <laughs> or particularly historic. <laughs> one, one well, by the, the time this, by the time this goes live, it will be. Yeah. <laughs> the crime scene also was totally trashed because journalists and curious neighbours wandered in to take a look. What? <laughs> oh, of course they did. Every every man and his dog came in to have a little look see, right? What's this? <laughs> It's up a deal. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, he's not looking very happy today. Got a split headache. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, he did. Don't you worry. Also, Lizzie, when the police were talking to her, said she felt a bit crook. So they didn't really search her so... or hassle her too much. So she had a fair amount of time between the first discovery Murder. of the murders and between her being charged to probably dispose of evidence. This this interesting thing that. A woman in the trial who's a friend of Lizzie's doesn't talk about when she's questioned initially by police, doesn't talk about in a later inquest or hearing. 
only talks about at the trial, which is nine months after the event, where she says that she saw Lizzie tearing up a dress and burning it a couple of days after the murders. That won't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, well, how could that be connected? I know. Well, she says that, you know, that was what they just did. There's nothing wrong with murdering a dress. Yeah. No, well, the interesting thing is there's no blood on Lizzie. No one really notices any blood on her. Mm-hmm. No one finds this. Well, there's one tiny spot, tiniest spot of blood on her dress, which could have been her own, right, because we're not doing DNA and we're not doing blood testing. Yeah. But if you, particularly the dad, right, if you took a hatchet to his head that ferociously, there would be blood on you and he's still bleeding at the time yeah. that she that people come in. It's that fresh. So we're suggesting she kills him, she gets she takes this hatchet downstairs, she cleans it all up, she sets it all up, she goes back, he's still bleeding and lovely and fresh, and then she calls. I mean, anyway, apart, apart a- from your song, did we know that she was the one that did it? I'm going to get there. Okay. I just feel like you just did, though. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> wait, wait. I okay. mean, it'll all, it, yeah, we'll get there. Okay. So anyway, this the other thing that shook me about this particular piece of evidence is that it wasn't brought into anything until the trial. So it would have been fine if it had happened within days of, like she burns a dress and the friend goes off to the police straight away and goes, hey, um, she was burning a dress last night, you know. Another policeman said he saw her carry a bucket around and wash something. But again, it's like, great, but. He didn't stop her. He didn't go and get the bucket off her. He didn't see what it was. She might have had a period, for all we know. In a bucket? Swanee's confused by that. I'm not Remember confused. they used rags and they would wash them out? Ugh. Yes, it wasn't our time. It was old-fashioned times, ye oldie wildy times. That milkshake wouldn't bring all the boys to the yard. <laughs> no. A few flies after a few days. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Too far, Schmitty. Oh, sorry, sorry. The rag thing is, is sort of annoys me, but the police did search her room, but they were, but not very well. And of course, they were criticised for their defective detecting. They say not very well. I mean, it was probably a cursory thing. She might have had a blood-stained dress hanging in her wardrobe that was hidden by other dresses, and they didn't really look. Don't know. At first, the police thought that the crime was likely perpetrated by a male, probably a foreigner. And this probably a foreigner. Yeah, at this period of time, there was there were a couple of changes to statutes where they had more immigration coming in from other places. That's a leap, though, isn't it? That it's a foreigner. Well, there was an influx then of workers from various places, and there was an inherent racism, basically. That's what it sounds in the society. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm calling out. Well, it is interesting because a lot of the police are actually Irish and everyone hated the Irish too. So it's sort of <laughs> these layers nowadays. of racism going on. Oh, they're lovely. This inherent layers of racism going on in this particular society of Fall River. And I don't really talk too much about that, but it's definitely there. Like a racism lasagna. It is a bit, I yeah. think it relates to like the sort of, you know, Boston is now known as being an Irish yeah. Enclave. But, I, you know, there had to be a point where that became so, and I think it coincides with this. And I think Schmidt right. It's sort of they were considered certainly by someone of her standing. Oh, she was You know, they're too, the, the oh, interlopers. Yeah. They're the new That's right. dirty new, foreigners, they whatever it is. They were new money. They were new filth. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And she, not just the Irish, all of them, but yeah. she, she wasn't like Maggie was a maid, the, the yeah. Irish maid. 
yeah. you know, there was very much a class system happening. She needs to and, wake um, up. And Andrew's parents or Andrew's line yeah. at one point had owned most of Fall River. All right. So they they had been land. They were kind of landed gentry yeah. without being landed gentry, and which was partly why it was, well, because they were not in the English system, right? But it was partly why the frustration, I think, of the girls, because they had come from, they had this standing, they were wealthy, and yet he didn't spend any money. And some like freaking leprechaun wasps. came in and murdered their dad and stepmother. By Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Well, not a leprechaun, as it turns out. To be sure. They actually thought for a short time it was a Portuguese foreigner. and, and they Foreigner? Some Portuguese guy who they decided, had done. I don't know why, because he was Portuguese. Also, for, yeah, probably. Sense. And there, there were quite a few, by the sound of it, Portuguese in the area at uh-huh. the time. Because he looked different. Whomever it was, they decided, no, he couldn't have done it. So they let him go or didn't worry about it. And as the doors and windows were locked and the only the kitchen door was open and Bridget and Lizzie were home, the authorities pretty much decided Lizzie was most likely the murderer. They didn't even seem to consider Bridget. Yeah. Lizzie's older sister, Emma, was sent a telegram in Fairhaven. Why wouldn't they have considered Bridget? Who knows? I don't know. I would have don't thought it would be the opposite way around. Maybe because she didn't have as much to gain from it. Yeah, but it maybe be like the a disgruntled maid. And... Oh, to be sure, but to be sure. I don't think Bridget gave any evidence that she was disgruntled oh. apart from maybe. There is a theory oh, that I she cracked the shits about having to do the windows on a hot August day and oh. decide to kill everyone for it, but it does seem a bit of a stretch. Ouch. Yeah, more likely if Lizzie did have her period, that's what she was carrying around in the bucket, she probably had a bad attitude to go with it and therefore came across as being more likely to be the murderer. Do you know what's awful about the whole period I think you've thing? cracked the case. I'm, I'm no, pretty no. good like that, hey? Yeah. What else could it be? Well, you see, Bridget at the time did explain that because the women all lived together, they'd all synced their periods. Yeah, that makes sense. And their periods had actually ended a day or two prior to oh. the murders. Because Bridget used to have to clean out all oh, of the rags oh. that were kept in a bucket in the privy. It was her job. So they'd wash them out, right? They didn't just leave them there. They'd, yeah, they'd I... rinse them all out. But then it was her job to boil them up in the copper. We're losing people. Re- and We're losing ready for people. next yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cannot... yeah, you're losing <laughs> just about lost me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you were doing that on purpose. She was like, oh, what other detail can I yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I can watch both Clarkie and Carla go green. <laughs> can I have some of that mutton soup and get off yeah. this podcast that's too far <laughs> anyway, so, so so the point is the, the period theory is you know a bit loose as well okay <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> okay new meaning of period drama <laughs> well, well yeah no that was a good one bring it back well oh done. well done Tony. but a ching yeah, well that's done, good. Tony. i didn't <laughs> That's brilliant, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right, back to the story. We digress. So uh, Lizzie's older sister, Emma, was sent a telegram in Fairhaven, which is, I think, about 25 k's away, 20, 25 k's, telling her of the deaths and asking her to return. And, again, the theory is that Emma snuck back, killed them, went back to Fairhaven. Like, it's just nonsense. So just two days after the murder, newspapers began reporting that there was evidence that Lizzie Borden might have had something to do with her parents' murders. But did they, did they say what it was or did they just say that because that's the way the media rolls? Correct. And it's interesting, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Let's 1892. Make facts. Yeah. yeah. 
So they determined Abby was killed first as her body was cold, whereas Andrews was still warm and bleeding. Once they were on to her, as in Lizzie, they noticed that she changed her story quite frequently. Initially, she said she'd been outside in the barn loft, apparently looking for sinkers, lead sinkers, because she wanted to go fishing. Apparently, she liked fishing and fair play. Fishing's fine. Possible. And she said she heard a weird noise before entering the house and then finding Andrew. Later, she said she didn't hear anything and she just went inside not knowing there was anything wrong. Dum de dum. She's not doing herself oh. any favours. Yeah, also, we'll get on to why that could be happening, right? She said someone had come with a note requesting Abby go to them as they were sick, but she later said that Abby had come home. But when she discovered Andrew, she never called for Abby. She never seemed to even mention her until other people did arrive, right? Yeah. When she did finally ask someone to go and get Abby, Bridget and a neighbour went up the stairs. So, you know, when you walk up a Victorian type house, you yep. walk up the stairs and you hit the landing, and at some point you can actually see your head becomes level with the floor, yep. the next floor. Yeah. They were able to see into the guest bedroom from still on the stairs, yep. and they could see Abby's body on the floor in the guest bedroom from the stairs. Yeah. Now it was a big hoo ha because remember. Bridget said she'd heard, she thought she'd heard Lizzie on the stairs at the top of the stairs. Yeah. When Andrew was coming home. So they've worked out, they think that Abby died somewhere between 8.39 a.m. Yeah. She'd been dead for about an hour, hour and a half before Andrew was killed. We know she'd been dead for a while. Her body had gone cold. Right. The suggestion is that Lizzie would have seen Abby if she was upstairs walking down the stairs. But then again, when you walk down a flight of stairs, I don't know about you, I look down to make sure I'm not going to fall down the stairs. I'm not turning my head to look into a bedroom to see under the bed to see where there's a dead body. I think it's quite feasible that you wouldn't see that. I mean, I certainly wouldn't. Stuart more likely would, I reckon. You're a bit more observant than me. So do I. And also, Bridget was upstairs having a lie down, remember? And she came downstairs to find Andrew and she didn't find him. She didn't see Abby either. I don't know that she was up there having a lie down. I think she would just, you know, she it's a bit hot. I don't know. She's a bit hot. She's a little quiet bit restless. Time. Yeah, having a little bit of quiet she time. Was... Shaking her milkshake. <laughs> what on earth? Practicing. Just because. You're not allowed to go and have a lie down if you're the maid. Go and She's not a... feeling well. I don't think they care. It's still in the morning. Maybe she got to the afternoon. She had She'd jobs worked to do. for them for five years by then. So, you know, she was fairly integrated into the family. Yeah, so she felt anyway. quite comfortable going and having a... Yeah, quite time. Shaking her milkshake. Like Scott Peterson, Lizzie <laughs> didn't I did, I did think that, yes. <laughs> Lizzie didn't present in the way the police expected her to. Yeah. She was too calm and far too well poised. And you know why, boys? Because she was a lady She's after all. She's a lady for tea. And probably in shock. There's been, if she didn't kill them, it's quite, well, even if she did kill them, it's quite feasible that she was in shock at the time of being questioned and a bit kind of, I don't know what's going on. There was a suggestion that Lizzie had been considering poisoning her parents or the family. She'd inquired about some cyanide some time before, saying it was to clean her furs, but there was no sign of poison in either victim's stomach. She didn't need to poison them when the mutton soup was already doing a good job. (laughs) (laughs) On the 6th of August, police conducted a more thorough search of the house, inspecting the sister's clothing and confiscating the broken-handled hatchet head. (laughs) That evening... (laughs) Say that six times fast. (laughs) 
No. That <laughs> evening, a police officer and the mayor visited the Bordens and Lizzie was informed that she was suspected in the murders. So how, how long after the murders are we now, sorry? Two days. Okay. So we've gone through a lengthy, careful investigation. Well, careful, I think. Two days. <laughs> <laughs> Two days. So they rock up and they say, you're a suspect. She then, there's a private inquest. Lizzie, who had been prescribed morphine to calm her nerves. Morphine, jeepers. Yeah, was noticed as behaving oddly. Now, uh, responded without shock because she's morphine. Dosed up. And she's off her head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's erratic, refusing to answer some questions and contradicting herself multiple times because she's confused because she's on morphine. How long had she been on morphine? Since the murder? Since the murders. Yeah, right. And she was given, uh, she could take it repeatedly. And this is not a point in time where I've never had the green stick. I think, you know, no, no, when you have a really bad painful accident, they give you this green, they call it the green stick. I think it's morphine. It's morphine, isn't it? I think so, yeah. And I've never had it. But I've watched my niece and others who've had like nasty, like she dislocated and broke her ankle. And And they go from being in terrible pain to, yeah. And this is the point in time where the actual, it's 1892, right? So who knows how much of this yeah, she's having. Yeah, don't judge her for her reactions yeah. when she's on morphine. Old mate Juan Martinez, do you remember my mate? He's a foreigner. Jody, do you remember Jody Arias's prosecutor? Prosecutorial, oh, yeah. prosecutorial misconduct. Prosecutorial misconduct oh. from a couple of weeks yeah, back. Yeah, do That's I ever. Right. This district attorney was just as aggressive and confrontational. Yeah, right. Apparently it must be a thing. Although I didn't have the pleasure of watching hours of his carry-on on YouTube like I did with Juan Martinez. On the 11th of August 1892, Lizzie was served a warrant of arrest and jailed. Like Jody's case, the press were all over it and whilst the inquest testimony was ruled inadmissible, of course they reported on it anyway in the papers as the case was national news. So I guess there's nothing new in the media prejudicing a case before it's heard. It's funny, isn't it? That's a big thing. 1892, yeah. though. Like, like it, it's not a new thing. Fox News at, is not a new at thing. At least we've learned from it, hey. Lizzie sits in jail for nine months waiting trial, hmm. which by today's standards isn't too bad because, you know, sometimes we've got them sitting there waiting for years. Hmm. But I could imagine it was pretty horrendous. The trial took place in New Bedford starting on the 5th of June, 1893. Prosecuting attorneys were Hosea M. Knowlton and future United States Supreme Court Justice William H. Moody. Defending were Andrew V. Jennings, Melvin O. Adams and former Massachusetts Governor George D. Robinson. As luck would have it, just five days before the trial started, another resident of Fall River was hacked to death in strikingly similar circumstances. No, whilst Liz is in custody. Correct. Bertha Manchester, who was found in her was found in her kitchen. Unsurprisingly, the media picked this up, mm. and as Lizzie was still languishing in jail, she couldn't have done it, could she? Nope. Turns out, Jose Corio de Mello. Yeah, yeah. Turns out, Jose Corio de Mayo, or Jose Carreras, as Carla would have mm. it. A Portuguese immigrant uh, with was a later- very deep voice. Who <laughs> was a tenor? I mean, it was a tenor. It wasn't that deep. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't a bass or a baritone. With a very, a very it was a not tenor. deep voice. 
Anyway. <laughs> Shut up, Swanee. <laughs> You'll get me in trouble. <laughs> so anyway, he was later convicted of Manchester's murder in 1894, but apparently he wasn't in the vicinity of Fall River at the time no. of the Borden murder, yeah, so it couldn't have been Portuguese. him. Yeah, but I couldn't find anything. Tough. Yeah, but he he did he definitely did kill Bertha Manchester, okay, right? right yeah. There was but much more evidence. evidence. Okay. So he had coins and stuff that he'd stolen from her purse okay, that he tried okay. to sell somewhere else. When you say apparently he wasn't in Falls Creek at the time, couldn't find any proof. There's nothing on it. But there's nothing to say was wasn't correct. There. Right. There's nothing to say one way or t'other. T'other. Yeah. Excellent word. Love it. You're welcome. But he was a disgruntled worker who took out his revenge on poor old Bertha. I think she was just in the wrong oh. place at the wrong time. There was this, Lizzie kept talking about some bloke who had come to the door and had a fight with his father about some business dealings. And that had happened a couple of times. And she didn't know, I mean, obviously this Bertha thing happened. Did she say he was Portuguese later. or a foreigner? She didn't remember. No, she didn't. Just a man. She didn't really describe him. And when you say he was a disgruntled worker who killed Bertha, was there a connection there? Was Bertha wealthy? No, she was just a housemaid. I mean, Bridget could have been killed. If if The thing is, Bridget's upstairs, Lizzie's allegedly in the loft. If a Portuguese immigrant did come into the house and start killing everyone, those both of those women could have been the birthers in this sure, story. Sure, yeah, no, I just wondered whether it was an, an elitist thing kind of thing where he went, I'm a disgruntled worker and I'll kill the rich people, but no connection no, between no, no. Bertha no, and... No, it wasn't. Right, yeah, no, gotcha. No, and I think poor old Bertha was um, in the wrong place at the wrong time because he probably wanted to kill the bloke who ran the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a prominent point of discussion in the trial, or at least the press coverage of it, was the hatchet head found in the basement. Mm-hmm which was not convincingly demonstrated by the prosecution to be the murder weapon. It had absolutely nothing on it. it all kinds of suggest. people's blood on it. It had no blood on it. <laughs> nothing. Niente. Prosecutors argued that the killer had removed the handle because it would have been covered in blood, but the handle but was the actually there wasn't. and not covered in blood. Yeah, right. One officer testified that a hatchet handle was found near the hatchet head, but another officer contradicted this. Lizzie's movements prior to the murders was also a point of dispute during the trial. According to testimony, Bridget entered the second floor of the home at around 10.58am and left Lizzie and her father downstairs. Lizzie told several people that at this time she went into the barn and wasn't in the house for 20 minutes or possibly half an hour. Hyman Lubinsky <laughs> testified for the defense. It was a period drama after all. Oh. It's a period drama, yeah, yeah. It was Misty Hyman's brother. <laughs> no, no, it's just Hyman Lubinsky. Mr. Hyman Lubinsky, not Misty Hyman Lubinsky. I like that, though. If I'm ever going to be a drag queen again, I think I'm going to have that as a name, Hyman Lubinsky. Anyway, he testified for the defence that he saw Lizzie Borden, this is important, leaving the barn at 11.03am. It's very precise. And Charles Gardner confirmed the time. At 11.10am, Lizzie called Sullivan downstairs told her Andrew had been murdered and ordered her not to enter the room. Instead, Borden said, go get the doctor. So she says, Dad's been murdered, go get a doctor. She didn't say, come in here and help me with him. So two people witnessed her in the barn where she said she was 
10 minutes prior to this to her calling at the mate. And was that because she was going to get the hatchet? No, the hatchet no, was in, in the, the basement in downstairs, the basement. not no, in the loft. She basement, was in the barn. But... Yeah, but she was in the barn. But you think about it, right? She comes in, she kills her father, she runs downstairs, she cleans all that blood up and she calls the uh, maid in within a 10-minute period. It just seems unlikely. Yeah. Anyway. I guess all I'm saying is that evidence in itself doesn't exonerate her. Here's something gross. Get ready for it. Both victims' heads had been removed during autopsy and the skulls were admitted as evidence during the trial and presented on the 5th of June, 1893. What? Upon seeing them in the courtroom, Lizzie fainted. How macabre is that? I know, right? Yeah, that's bizarre. Isn't it? However, the jury, after listening to hours of closing statements, I can't remember if it was the prosecution, I think it was, or the defence, but literally their closing statements went for five hours. Mm. They deliberated for only an hour and a half. And then, drum roll please, Lizzie Borden was acquitted of the murders. (gasps) Didn't see that coming. When she left the courthouse, she told reporters she was the happiest woman in the world. You know, she's either the happiest woman in the world because she was innocent and she was got off or she was a murderer and she got off. Either way, now she's a rich murderer or a rich innocent person. And I feel like I'm the only person in the world who knew about Lizzie Borden but didn't know that she got acquitted. Did, That's the bit that I found really interesting. Did you think that song was factual? Well, I didn't she really know. Yes. And the second, the second part of it talks that... about her hanging from the gallows or something like that. So I just assumed she'd been knocked off, had the death sentence. Who wrote that song? I don't know. It's a kid's uh, rhyme. I don't know who. It's a skipping song. Tony calls it a skipping song. I reckon song. it was written by. The skipping girl. It was written in, by Sc- in Victoria Sky Street. News. Yeah. Fox News. Yeah. That's just my Kiwi accent. That's why it sounds wrong. Yeah, that no, makes yeah. sense. The only thing I knew about. Lizzie Borden, prior to this, was that she took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. And as you said, factually incorrect. As you'd expect, there's lots of theories. I covered, like I talked about a couple of them, that the Portuguese chap, Jose Carrera, who killed Bertha, did it. Uncle John did it. There are a few um, suspect things about his alibi. Apparently he gave this exceptionally detailed alibi about where he was when Andrew was murdered and also claimed to be really close to his nieces, but he never visited them again after this. And he'd only really been showing up to Andrew to talk about business. Uncle, There's a theory that Uncle John and Lizzie conspired together. The thing with Uncle John is he didn't benefit at all from any of this. He got no money out of it. He got nothing, right? So I'm not really convinced Uncle John. And don't worry, when I started researching this a while back, I did start to go down the rabbit hole of John, whatever his Vinema or whatever his funny middle name is. No, nah, nothing, nothing to see there, Uncle John. That Emma, the older sister, snuck back from out of town to do it and then snuck back to the other place and then waited for a telegram to say, oh, look, your parents are dead. And that Lizzie was a lezzy and she and Bridget were scissor sisters was another theory. Oh, yeah. And how would that affect things? Or is that just a theory that has nothing to do with the murder? No, no, because they ganged up together. So some of Bridget's testimony and some of Liz- uh, Lizzie's testimony at times either contradict each other or support each other. And, of course, so- that's what lezzers do, gang up and kill people. Jeez. Well, there's no evidence that Bridget was a lesbian because Bridget, well, she might have been. She might have been in that young experimental phase that a it's lot of women go through. It's another Sky News theory, Or she could it? have been fluid. She could have been pansexual. No fact. She does end up married to someone else later no on. No So a, a man, 
later no on. No fact that they're lesbians, no fact that they both killed them. No fact at all. Move that's on, right. Peter Credlin. <laughs> it's another one where the accused said that they were innocent and had the police done a better job of investigating all options or at least getting the burden of proof against the accused with no fingerprints, no blood, no nothing. Maybe Lizzie would have been shown to have committed this heinous and brutal crime. But the way it went down, the jury couldn't have found her guilty beyond reasonable doubt because there just wasn't enough evidence. And there was lots of reasonable doubt. Can I- there was tons of reasonable doubt, yeah, yeah. The thing, the theory about Uncle John is that he, had, for whatever reason, he had a falling out or something with Abby. Yeah, he kills her in the front, in the top bedroom, in the guest room. She's facing her killer when she's attacked, and there's no defensive wounds, which suggests the killer's just smacked her one right, and she's fallen. She's turned with the force of it, fallen face down, and then been beaten over the back of the head. And then the idea is he went downstairs and he killed Andrew, who was asleep on the couch. Because he didn't want him to yeah, yeah. to clean it up a bit. Like, I've just killed mm. his wife, I better kill him too. Again, no fact, no theory. Mm. Like, it's a theory, right? It's nothing in it. Whilst the law didn't convict Lizzie Borden, society sure did. Oh, here we go. She was shunned by the upper echelons of Fall River. And although she changed her name to Lizbeth, which probably really? was not quite yeah. enough to throw everyone off the scent. That's genius. Get off the morphine, Lizzie. I think she's got a morphine addiction by now. She might have, or, or laudanum. She couldn't shake the infamy, strangely. It didn't help also that she stayed in Fall River. She and Emma moved to a house in the Hill neighbourhood, and Fall River wasn't that massive. And by all accounts, it was a pretty good mansion with lots of staff and they lived like wealthy women, which is what they'd always kind of wanted to do with their dad's cash. And they were, so that's fair enough. But after Lisbeth threw a party for an actress friend, Nudge Nudge. Oh, there we go. And the performance troupe, and you know I love a good cast party. (laughs) And that happened not long after Lisbeth got picked up for shoplifting, which apparently she'd been doing all the time. And Andrew had got it all sort under of, the carpeted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Benefited yeah. from it. Under the carpeted, Pushed. that's another one is for that, you. Is that de-escalation when you go from murder to shoplifting? If she did murder them, yeah. Yes, it would be, I suppose. Anyway, that's when Emma moved away and she never saw Lisbeth again. Oh. oh. Lisbeth lived in Fall River until her death in 1927. Oh. She died of pneumonia after having her gallbladder removed. She's had some complications after that. And Emma, her older sister, rather oddly, died just nine days later. Mm. Folly a dead. <laughs> Folly a dead. Folly a more. Folly a mort. Folly a mort. And that is the story of the Borden murders. Wow. What do you make of that? Okay, so my first question, who do you reckon did Mm. it? I think Lizzie did it. Do you? Mm. Sometimes I do. You sound very confused on this one. I mean, I think you're... you're... It is confusing. I'm like the jury, right? I I couldn't have convicted her beyond reasonable doubt. Is it because you learnt the song so early that you just can't get past it? Yes. <laughs> My whole life, whenever whenever I heard about, I think I heard about Lizzie Borden when I was relatively young and I was like, ooh, spooky, it must have been something on TV. And I was like, ooh, that's really scary, that's really terrible, murder, murder, bad, bad. And then I just assumed, she, like everyone talks about her as the girl who killed yeah, her parents. Yeah. 
So when people talk about people who've yeah, you know, beyond Either. any shadow of a doubt, killed someone, you've got to assume that they went to yeah, jail, yeah. you know, that, that, that they felt the power of the law. That's why I was so shocked when she was acquitted. Were you more shocked by but that or more shocked when now. you found out that Santa Claus wasn't real? I was much more shocked to find out that Lizzie Borden was acquitted. <laughs> I feel Good like answer. the Santa Claus yeah, thing yeah. was... You saw it coming? You know, yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah it was... Just there were a few clues. Yeah, and you're the youngest in your family, so. Yeah. There were clues. But on this thing, there were none. It was just, it was shocking. It's fascinating, isn't it, that that song mm. came to be, even though she's innocent. This is the thing about the story being bigger than the reality. Yeah, yeah. She may have been innocent, she may not have, but she was acquitted because there wasn't sufficient evidence. Yeah. There just wasn't. But also the fact that society convicted her to the point where some t- at some point a song was. They cut her. Yeah, but they, they to write to have a song about someone who's innocent shows that people believed she was guilty. Oh, everyone thought she was guilty. Yeah, and yeah. The the kids, you know, it was like the witch on the street things. The they, the kids used to taunt her. Everyone stared at her. You know, she'd go around in her lovely carriage and be wealthy, and then eventually, I think she kind of isolated. She she withdrew into the house. Was it like Cersei in Game of Thrones when she had to do the Walk of Shame every time Lizzie went out? Down, well, she wasn't there. nude. Did people throw things at her though? I didn't read that, but she certainly was ostracized. Okay. So, Swanee, what do you think? I'm trying to find, I found a movie called um, Lizzie. Was that with Christina Ritchie and Elizabeth someone Montgomery. else? Uh, hang hey, on, where Elizabeth did I go to that I thought it's some, hang on, 2018. Sorry, are you trying to oh, look no, up a movie to tell thing. you whether or no, not no, Lizzie no. Borden did? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's I, called no, How I'll to tell Use you what, a Hatchet. No. What I was doing because I was absolutely not. It was it was trying to um I think it's a lesbian drama. As oh, to, is there something like that? Yeah, it's saying so, that in modern times there's been a definite lean into the lesbian. Yes, angle. so to give yeah. you an idea who played Lizzie Borden, it's Chloe Savini and Kristen Stewart from uh oh, right. Twilight or whatever. Yes, She's yes, Bridget. Yes, so yes. Bridget was the um, maid, right? Yes. Oh, yes. so it says um the hot Irish maid of Christian Lizzie finds a kindred Stewart. spirit in the living maid Bridget and a friendship soon blossoms into a secret romance. But tension mounts in the Borden household leading to a violent breaking point. Well, there you go. And someone's written, how accurate is the movie? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all, no. <laughs> and as the, accurate as well, the song. Well, who knows? I mean, honestly, who knows what happened behind closed doors? The fact that Bridget went on to marry a man it's, a, it's neither here nor there, you know, like lots of lesbians married men in a period of time when yeah. they had no other choice and society frowned on it. Lots of gay men married yeah, women, exactly. you know, it was that's just what happened. Everyone hid their proclivities um, because it wasn't accepted societally. So that's not neither here nor there in my mind. The only thing that makes me think that Lizzie... Well, I don't know that she was a lesbian just because she liked an actress and she hung out with this actress. She could have just been lonely and wanted to have some fun. God forbid and she'd have a mean friend sexual. of the same Oh, my God. I think gender. Tony was just saying this. There was a movie that was also done in 1975. With Elizabeth Montgomery. Yes. From you, Bewitched. Yeah, yeah. That's, you probably, that's what you were saying. And that was, that was a serious Yes, movie. that sounds like it reflects. It's yeah, got right. less... Uh, Lesbonic. And it shocked everybody because everybody knew about Bewitched. And she actually does a nude scene 
in stayed in with you, that. has it, Toby? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, oh my god! I was in love with bloody Samantha. <laughs> I've never seen a woman so stitched up to the collar as, as Lizzie Borden. I can't imagine that woman nude. Nude. I don't want to either. Nude. Well, he said nude. nude. That's why I'm nude. carrying on with that. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Probably What about the sister? What about Emma? Do you think the sister could have done it? I just, well, I. She's interestingly placed strangely. They've just got on holiday. Yeah, she's just she's always come back outside a few days, it, And yeah. then she's just pissed off to Fairhaven. It is weird that she's just disappeared. No one ever looked at her. No what about idea. the Portuguese tart, though? Like, he killed someone in a Portuguese similar way. I actually probably think, if not him, another one did. I, I reckon. This is a whodunit, isn't it? You tr- you tricked me at the start, damn you. Well, I started off by being quite comfortable that I was like, yeah, well, you know, everyone thinks Lizzie did it. but And then you realised that I neither Clarkie or I knew who they were. Liz- yeah, who she right. was. It's like, well, well yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was like all bets are off now. But I think it's quite feasible that a complete random stranger came in and killed them. I'd feel more comfortable with three people, sorry, one person doing the three killings than them mm. being coincidental. I don't think they're coincidental. I think it's quite possible that he was there. As I said, I wonder whether or not there's a bit of we've put her in jail, we've had her pillar, like we've, it's been in the press for nine months. If it turns out we were wrong at this point and it was a Portuguese bloke, how stupid do we look even more than we yeah, are now? Yeah, 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 of course. And so I wonder whether or not there was a bit of look, do him for that, but we'll just let the other two pass. Oh, no, he wasn't there. And that's why I say I tried. I didn't spend a lot of time, but I did try to see his movements. I found out what happened to him after. What happened to him after? He went into a lesbian movie and he... (laughs) No, he was extradited from the country. He never came back. He was renamed Elizabeth Montgomery. No, he he changed his name to Elizabeth. (laughs) Something about his father dying of a broken heart or pneumonia, one or the other. Or a hatchet wound. I always get those two mixed up. No, in disgrace, in disgrace of his son's behaviour. Yeah. So I did follow that down a little bit, but there was nothing prior. There was nothing about where he had been. You know, you tell me that he's not in that area. Where was he then? Couldn't find it anywhere. So I must say, with with all respect to the way you reported it, if you've given us all of the facts, I'm pleased she got off because I don't think there's anything that says that. So am I, actually. Yeah, and, and despite the media well, I don't know. Crap, I just don't think they proved it, yeah. Mm. Because, yeah, I think. It doesn't sound like there was enough fact to um, point towards anyone doing it. And I appreciate that they're dead and so someone did it, but it almost feels like it should be a cold case, not a solved case. And it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is a cold case because she was acquitted. It was never solved. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. But but society and everyone else decided that she was a killer, thus the rhyme and everything else. It's interesting too how easy it is to find a suspect and take them to court with very limited information i mean we're talking 1892 so probably even easier then but yeah it's it's a a fascinating thing i guess the more of this stuff we do the more i go wow i just when we started i didn't think maybe naively i didn't think it would be you know you you just take someone because you can't really find anyone else but it almost feels like that's the way it works that we don't really find anyone, but they're close enough. It's all about clearance rate, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but even even in a court system you know there's the there's the you know like law and order they talk about the the police and the courts the courts kind of fall for it too yeah and i think um just to be uh balanced or just give all sides of it there's a theory that she didn't get she got it sorry there's a theory that she was acquitted because she was a lady and no one could imagine a person from her background circumstance christian background you know protestant not just wealthy but privileged all the rest of it doing something so incredibly brutal and 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 heinous as this crime no 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 and it was a it was a full male juror yeah. jury of course yeah and so they it sort of became this idea of she wasn't she she was acquitted because they couldn't imagine that she did it yeah yeah but in reality if you look at it from a legal perspective and look at what evidence was provided there just wasn't enough evidence so i don't think it was this overlay of inherent misogyny or whatever you want to call it i actually just think they just didn't the prosecution just didn't bring enough inherent to bear on misogyny. it Jeepers. Wow. well i mean misogyny can play to your advantage and and your disadvantage right yes and in her case the misogyny saying oh a little frail little thing like that she couldn't possibly have killed her parents works to her advantage had she done it whereas we, we've got plenty of examples what's the, of what's how misogyny the, works against what's, you <laughs> what's the female version of misogyny it's not possible because women couldn't possibly hate men or, or couldn't possibly do something that made men act a certain way. No, that's right. We're not capable of Correct. it because we're just little yeah, ladies. Yeah, so yeah, no. And just that, haven't you got just a label proved for it my yet. point. You've all got it. <laughs> the language doesn't even give a label to it because it's so impossible because men can't imagine it even being a thing. Or, or women are very comfortable being uh, in that position. Oh no! I've heard feminists rail about the lack of language. It's it's a bit like what's what's a sex addict in a man's world, right? It's just a sex addict, is it? What 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 do we call a man who's just like can't stop shagging around? Hornbag. Not an infomaniac. It's a specific word for females. Nymphomaniac. There is not the equivalent around men in the language. It's just the same thing. You take it as a criticism. (laughs) Anyway. <laughs> oh, he's really he's really trying to compliment you, Schmidty, when he's calling you the nymphomaniac. <laughs> it's a pet name for you, darling. Thank you. I didn't want to go down the kind of about misogyny and sexist path. I, I just and think it's not enough evidence. <laughs> well, because a lot of people would say she left that bit out, and it's and that's a big no. No, but I, but I would worry. say I wouldn't worry. I, I worry about the word frigid. Rather than um, <laughs> uh, rather than nymphomania. Yeah, you've never been a fan of frigid, have you, Tony? No, it's <laughs> kind of like that. That's insulting. Yeah, I agree. That, that says she said no to me, right? <laughs> right, and and she's she the is, problem, right? Yeah, nymphomaniac's not a problem. It's a lucky. It's a lucky streak. <laughs> I, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sheepers. I think I think the label isn't complimentary. I think juror prejudice is common through, and yeah, it, it's irrelevant in in that regard, right? Because it's pretty hard to avoid. I can't, though, isn't it? No, but what I'm saying is that so what the the jury let her off, and you can try to find reasons for that, but where's the evidence? And so yeah, put point. all of that yeah, shit yeah, aside. Yeah. 
there is nothing. You wouldn't have won it anyway, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't appear that anyone bothered to appeal it either or try again. But, but again, I, like, I like all of that. It almost feels like despite the media coverage and the fact that people may have wanted her to be guilty, the system worked. So I think for me I'm happy the way things turned out. I think the police could have done a slightly better job, but who cares, really, like it's 100 and something years ago. Swanee? Look, I think I'm I'm comfortable as well. Perhaps if there's one thing we could do, perhaps we could uh, edit the little jingle, little sing along, to make it more accurate. So you know, maybe the yeah. You know, have you been working yeah. on that? Yeah. I hope you've been working on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what well, do I haven't been working on? It. I thought we put. I should have been working on it. I don't even know the original. Uh, but you know, maybe it's sort of like you've heard the song of Lizzie Borden. Went to the barn to cure her boredom. Whilst in the barn, someone crept into the house while the maid slept. Upstairs 17 times they buried the hatchet. Downstairs they couldn't quite match it. Lizzie came in from the barn, saw the mess and said, oh darn. Once there the police called for calm whilst the media went and told a big yarn. Poor Lizzie Borden immortalised in song when really she did nothing wrong. All right then. So (laughs) we're all okay with her uh, being acquitted and police should do better. As yeah, and the media the too. Who knew Sky News were around in 1892? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sky News and Fox News. All right, well, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. I guess we say every week, miss you already. Miss you Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine, or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.